Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Heartbreakers. Welcome back to another Breakdown Bonus episode where I'm doing things a little different today. We're switching things up. But before I get into that, I just want to remind you that, hey, if you're new to the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Breakup Breakdown Podcast. And if you've got a breakup story that you want to submit or if, hey, maybe you've been following someone on social media for a hot second, could be an influencer, could be that girl from your high school. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, I think she might've gone through a breakup. I've always wanted to ask her about it, but like, I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to make Abby do that. You can find the submission form in the episode description as always. So this breakdown bonus episode is going to hit a little different because I felt like this episode hit so many different topics that we've already had incredible insight on from our friends of the podcast. And this episode from Tuesday just talked about self-trust and infidelity and gaslighting and recovering from getting cheated on. I mean, things we have talked about in length. None of this is new to us, but we saw it in a different light on this week's episode. And so I thought this episode would be a great time to revisit some of the best words of wisdom from our friends at the podcast that were so true. And honestly, I felt like lined up really perfectly with how this story went down. It'll give us a chance to remember some of the best moments from the bonus episodes of months past and also get to revisit ones that maybe you skipped over or you just haven't gotten to yet. So we're going to start off a little spicy. So let's talk about sex in a long-term relationship. So back in season two, season two, episode two, the bonus episode, dating expert Lily Womble and I from the Date Brazen podcast actually talked about this all throughout that episode. And that story hit a similar point with this week's main episode where it was like, hey, I think something's going on in my relationship because my guy does not want to have sex with me. Maybe it's it's me. Or maybe I'm in the wrong here. Maybe I'm stereotyping thinking that all men just want to have sex all the time. But you know what? It's starting to raise some red flags with me. So I asked dating coach Lily Womble about it. And here's what she said from that bonus episode that I think really hits the nail on the head. Everybody has a different level of desire. Some people have spontaneous desire, like I want to have sex right now just because I was turned on. Some people have responsive desire, like I want to have sex with you because you turned me on just now because you're turned on spontaneously, right? So like, I'm not saying that everybody has to be turned on all the time. That being said, with the additional context that she took him back after he cheated on her, but let's just name it. Because if he's doing this, then there's no telling. He lied about it. And then he apologized. Great. And she took him back. I wish she hadn't. And we're here now. So it sounds like, yeah, now that we know that he was cheating on her, that she wasn't in the wrong for questioning if there was actually something deeper going on. And relationships are going to have seasons. I mean, just because you and your partner go a month without doing it doesn't mean they're cheating. But hey, it's a good temperature check to talk to them about. But here's the thing. What if you're in a relationship with someone where you bring something like this up? and you get gaslit or you get manipulated, like the interviewee said in this episode. She's like, it took me a hot second to realize, but anytime I tried to bring something up about A, him hiding things like the infidelity or what was really going on with his sexuality, it would either blow up and be a huge fight or there would be something said along the lines of, well, that didn't happen or it didn't happen like that. And so I actually talked about this specific topic with two different mental health specialists. I talked to Vernique Esther about how to leave a manipulative relationship 
relationship. And I also talked to Dr. Margaret Rutherford about learning to trust again after a manipulative relationship. And both of them really warned against staying in these types of relationships. If you're able and you have the capacity to notice that this behavior is going on. What you have to look at is how productive is this relationship with this behavior present? If I cannot have a healthy relationship with you and we keep running into the, into this manipulative characteristic, then I may need to separate myself because you are not responsible for anybody else's work. And I think that that's important. Just because you like someone, just because you love someone, this is a tough pill to swallow, does not mean that you need to process their work with them. And a lot of times we are enabling people by not telling them like, hey, when you figure this out, we can resume. But right now I am not in a position and I do not have the capacity to continue in this relationship with this wall present. When manipulation is present, nothing about the relationship can be productive. People who actually are gaslighting will not take responsibility for their behavior. So you trying to have a discussion with them about what's going on is not going to happen. Gaslighting is a very common manipulative technique by people with narcissistic traits who, in fact, the more severe narcissism, kind of severe narcissism, where they really want to rob you of your sense of even safety and security about knowing who you are and what you think. This isn't about, oh, we did, you say, oh, we did that at three o'clock. And they go, no, I think it was closer to four. You know, this is about, oh, we did that at three o'clock. And they look at you and go, that didn't happen. What are you talking about? I would certainly suggest that saying, you know, we need to take a break. I need to figure out what's going on. I'm going to seek some some thera therapeutic advice. I don't feel good about what's going on in our relationship. And if they blow up with you, what are you talking about? I treat you like a king or a queen and I can't believe you're saying this, then you know what? That's a hint. Because if I tell someone that really loves me, I don't feel good about something that's going on with us, their response is going to be, well, what is it? And I want to hear it. And can we try to figure this out together? They're not going to get defensive. A narcissist or a person with narcissistic traits will get defensive and you've got your information. Are you going to listen to that information? Maybe not. Gaslighting is very, very hard to see when it's happening to you, when it's happening to somebody else. No problem. You can see it. But it's one of those very insidious types of things that can literally make you feel like you're losing your mind in its most severe form. And you're being told you are losing your mind. And so maybe you've heard that and you're like, yeah, you're right. It's not my job to sit with them if this is something they actually need to work through. So where would I even begin? Here's what Vernique said. When it comes to people with controlling tendencies, things, things can get pretty escalated pretty quick. Again, space, distance, and then getting the appropriate support, I would recommend you getting a therapist, somebody that can walk with you and be a source of accountability. Likely, if you are in a controlling relationship, that is traumatic, or at least it can be. And so I recommend you immediately getting a therapist and then finding ways to begin to separate yourself from that person, creating distance for sure. But you know what? Maybe you're listening to this and you're saying to yourself, Abby, I actually really resonated with the part of the story where our interviewee said she really wanted to fight for this relationship. She really thought that they were meant for each other. And despite all the stuff that was going on in their relationship, she was able to work through it. And so maybe you're you're experiencing manipulative tendencies in your relationship as opposed to something more serious going on. I asked Vernique Esther, what would you say to somebody who wants to work through this in their relationship? Here's what she said. I'm always going to recommend maybe some sort of therapy because that third party can help with that. Being the only one that is able to call that out is really hard. Um, the other thing is you need to assess if they're actually willing to do the work or are they just telling you they want to do the work? When you feel empowered enough to say, hey, I was talking about what happened today, but you're bringing up something that happened a week ago that feels 
deflective, that feels like you're gaslighting me or, you know, whatever. Can we try this again? And if they're willing to walk through that, then then that's good. That's a good sign. But you do have to feel empowered enough to say, hey, that didn't feel good to me. Can we talk about why you addressed this this way or or why you didn't take accountability for this? It really made me feel unheard. It really made me feel unloved. So it's two sides. They have to be willing to do the work, but you have to be willing to to voice how you feel and what is coming up as soon as it comes up, not waiting a year or whatever in order to be like, hey, now I've piled up all of these instances where I feel unheard and unloved and unappreciated. I, I think that that's the beginning, getting help, making sure that they actually are committed and willing to do the work. And then you being taking accountability for voicing how you feel so that way they can see in real time where adjustments need to be made. But ultimately, I really want to stress that if you are not married to this person, it really is not your responsibility to get them to be self-aware. I know that dating is hard, but you should not be doing anybody's work for them. You can be a reflection for them. There should be some level of challenge in relationships when you become that person's therapist or their mother or, you know, the, the person that is putting them on your back so that way they can be a better person. It gets to be a lot. That's not something that you should be doing in a dating relationship, in my opinion. So it's crazy that she brought up the therapy thing because that was one of the main things that our interviewee really went all out when she was trying to make this work. So much so that even her therapist caught it and called her partner out saying, "Uh, okay, your partner told me you were trying to gaslight her and now you're trying to gaslight me. So obviously there's something going on here. And so after she takes her partner to couples therapy and that all happens, she's pretty much mentally done. It takes her like four months and she decides, okay, at the end of this year, I'm out. And so if you find yourself in your first, second, or maybe this is like your fourth relationship where there's been manipulation, it can be really easy to get trapped in the thought of like, well, this is just how all men are. This is how all women are, et cetera, et cetera. Or this is just like what relationships look like for me. And I'm starting to lose hope that there's actually something better for me. I thought Brittany had a really interesting perspective on how to shift that mindset if, if you're getting out of a manipulative relationship. One, you have to separate yourself from the belief system that this is how it is or this is how it has to be. In order for your brain to begin to, to find new patterns and to be open to new suggestions, you have to break the old connections that it's been making. And the connection that you've been making is, well, I guess I'm always going to be connected to narcissists or I'm always going to be connected to people who are um, abusive or manipulate, manipulative. So you have to say, no, there is possibility for me to find someone that is not like this. Even if that's all I've seen, I am at least fixing my and priming my belief system to believe that there is something out there that is different for me. I just haven't met it yet, but I'm going to. And so that feels really like woo-woo, but it's true. Your brain works that way. Whatever you tell it to believe, it will believe. Whatever you shift towards, it will start to open up to until it finds it, right? It's the, I want a Nissan, and now you see Nissan everywhere thing. Same thing. If you believe that this is all you're going to be subjected to, then that's all you're going to have because your brain is going to say, okay, well, let me confirm that for you. The other thing is, I believe that we have a perception of what we have access to. And so a lot of the times, the love that you reach for is the love that you think that you have access to, the love that's within your reach. The truth about that is you end up in the same predicament. It's like the mind thing, but it's not just about like, oh, I just think that's all I deserve. No, it's where my environment now. So it's my belief, but it's also my environment. I feel like my radius is only but so far. Well, you need to put yourself in a new environment, right? You need to you need to connect with people who have healthy relationships. Some of y'all don't have couple friends and you need some. So you can see how it what it looks like and begin to expand 
expand your palette of what's possible. And then that brings me to the third thing. Your type might be what's killing you. Your type, what you want and what you desire might be the might be rooted in trauma. And if you don't check your preferences, that might be the culprit for why you keep ending up in, in these relationships. I do my best to try and speak to the whole experience, but I'm also very practical. And so while there are just some terrible people out there, I also want you to feel empowered to know that if you can change your beliefs, if you can change your environment, and if you connect to, to other people that may have what you want, you could end up in a better situation. And so for like the last 10 minutes or so, I feel like I've spoken specifically to people who are actually in this scenario right now or have been in the past. But you know what? You could be listening to this and you could be a third party on the outside thinking to yourself, why the hell would anybody want to stay in this kind of relationship? But if you've never been in a manipulative relationship, this may be a hard story for you to relate to or comprehend. We heard it from this week's interviewee, but Lily from the Date Brazen podcast actually had great advice for the interviewee from season two, episode two, that I think still hits for this week's episode. Unpack for yourself, what were the stories in your head, the thoughts that felt true about relationships and love that led you to take him back in the first place? I would be curious beneath the surface, like what was going on there? Was was it the thought that I'm not going to do better? Was it the thought that like nothing else is available for me? Was it the thought that if I reject him, there's nobody else? Was it the thought that I need to be more accommodating because women who are not accommodating are not good women? Look, Jane, I was raised in the South too. I get it. I was raised in Alabama and I saw that a woman's worth was so deeply tied to her relationship status with a cisgender man. I saw that a woman had to be subservient to be in a health, in a relationship long term with a man. And so I want you to unpack any stories underneath the surface there because you awakening to your, I'm speaking to her now and to you, Abby, and to anybody, you awakening to your own agency is what will land you in the best relationship of your life with yourself first and then with a partner second. Dr. Margaret Rutherford and I actually talked a lot about how agency and having a strong sense of identity goes hand in hand with having the kind of self-trust you need to have to know that the next relationship you're going to get into is going to be a much healthier one at the very least. And that was something we talked a lot about in this week's main episode. You know, our interviewee found herself in this relationship that once she got out, she was like, how do I trust that I'm not going to let this happen to myself again? She even talked about, I thought this was so creative. She has her red flag, green flag, and yellow flag list. She got it approved by her therapist. She said anytime she starts dating somebody new, she starts writing down these things. And if any of the red flags match up with her non-negotiables, she's out. But the advice that Dr. Margaret Rutherford gave was a lot about building up your self-worth. So how do you do that? How do you build up your self-worth? How do you learn to trust yourself again if all you've ever feel like you've gotten into were just awful relationships? So here's what she said about learning to trust yourself again when you begin dating. If you begin to focus on yourself and say, for example, what was the thing that I ignored from the very beginning of the relationship? Something that happened that now I look back on it and I thought, you know, that was really the beginning of it. It was the little seed of something that I chose to ignore or discount or I was afraid to see it. I didn't want to see it. I was in lust love. But often that is the thing that blossoms into the real problem. You want to say, am I acting different in this relationship? All I have control over is what was my part of this relationship going awry. Now, this is not to say that is your fault or your responsibility because someone you chose to love or trying to love went outside of the relationship and had an affair. Um, no, that that's not what I'm saying at all. 
alcohol. And I talked about this with patients who come in, couples who come in where there have been affairs. There is no excuse for someone going outside of the relationship to somehow take care of some need and then keep it a secret. Those kinds of things do happen in a context. And for you to be able to trust yourself that you're not recreating that same dynamic. Maybe it comes from, you know, your family of origin where you had a parent who had affairs, or maybe it comes from all kinds of things in your childhood. Maybe you were abused and you didn't, you don't recognize abuse. It could be so many things. And so you want to take a, a what I call an autopsy, which is sort of a gruesome term, but an autopsy of your part of the relationship that was good, that you would, you think back and you go, you know what, I would do that all over again, because that's what my strength is. That's who I want to be. That action represented my values. But at the same time, you say, you know, I was confused here. I was agitated here and I didn't say anything. What was it that was your part of this relationship? being disappointing that you can claim and that you can say, I need to work on this and not be in a relationship probably <laughs> until I know that this is something I can achieve. You know, it's funny when I released that episode, I really wondered how people were going to feel about her comments about building self-trust because it really is tough love. She doesn't beat around the bush. She's like, we're not going to victim blame here, but we also have to hold ourselves accountable for our part of the relationship. And that's the root of learning to trust yourself again is holding yourself accountable, but knowing in the future that you also have the power to do better in your next relationship. And I also just think part of the reason it was received so well, that particular episode, just how she talks to you. It's like you're talking to your no-nonsense grandmother. It's a little bit of tough love, but you know it's all because she loves you and just wants the best for you. And here's what she said about building up your self-worth. So you're looking for other people to fill you up. You miss the opportunities to have the recognition that your own presence in your own life, your own being is important. I'll give people the, the, the homework assignment to go watch a sunset by themselves, to go on a walk by themselves, to do something that a lot of the times go, go have a picnic by the lake by yourself and enjoy it. Recognize that you enjoy your own sense of worth, your own being in that moment. Yes, would someone else's presence enhance that perhaps? Yes, but there are also things that you notice as a unique individual. It's not narcissism or grandiosity. It's just, I like what I see. I like the things that I am going to notice. A photographer is going to notice something on a walk that I would never notice until maybe I'm trying to learn photography. So I think that is, I know that sounds a little woo-woo, but it comes from within and there's just no way to begin to get that in relationship until you have your or your unique understandings and and how you see the world and they have theirs. And then you come together and you begin to appreciate what the other one brings because it enhances your life. So the bottom line here, just like I said on this week's main episode, is what is your threshold for putting up with unhealthy behavior? You know what I mean? At what point do you decide to stop fighting for this relationship? And I don't think there's a quite black and white answer, of course, if this is a dangerous situation, if this is a emotional damaging relationship, get out. But when things are a little bit more gray, it's hard to make that decision because so many of our decisions are influenced by our upbringing and the people around us and our current circumstances. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you're dealing with manipulative tendencies and it's not as clear as to whether or not you should leave or if you even want to leave, I actually have a really great soundbite from Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I think what she said was so good. It's such a great litmus test for anybody who's in a relationship 
relationship that they're just kind of not 110% about. Relationships are supposed to build you up. Relationships are supposed to enhance you. Relationships, good relationships are supposed to, you know, help you flourish as the person you want to be. And if they're not, then you're not the right. You know what? Sometimes it does take your tough love therapist telling you that you do actually deserve a relationship that's better than just trying to stay above water. A relationship should build you up and help you become the person that you want to be in this life. Again, why would you stay in something that you feel like you're constantly just trudging through mud trying to make work? I get it. I get it. It's way more gray than it sounds, but it's something to think about. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another Breakdown Bonus episode. I'm going to link all of the episodes that I've played in this bonus episode down in the episode description. So if you want to go back and listen to any of those specific full interviews, you can check those out in the episode description. Otherwise, I will see you on Tuesday for another main episode.